I know 100% there will always be things that somebody's going to be like, why did you do that? But you just, you, you make the best informed decision you can in the time you have available and you move on. You're listening to The Abstract, a podcast where we talk to some of the biggest legal minds in the industry as they take us through their key moments of growth and share advice on how to tackle challenges they've encountered over the course of their careers. This podcast is brought to you by SpotDraft, a leading CLM company that empowers in-house legal teams by streamlining their contract management processes through AI-powered solutions. Picture this. Your CFO leaves the company and your CEO comes up to you, the GC, and says, I think you should take on those responsibilities until we hire someone else. A challenge for those without a finance background, yet for a lot of modern GCs, it's a golden opportunity. Today, I'm here with my friend, Vanessa Gage, the GC and interim CFO of Cedar, and the scenario I presented to you just now comes straight from her career journey. I can't wait to take all of our listeners behind the scenes as Vanessa shares stories and insights from her experience taking on the challenge of interim roles, both as a legal leader and as a finance leader. Vanessa, welcome to The Abstract. Thanks, Tyler. I'm excited to be here. I'm nervous to talk about this as a topic. I think it's something that a lot of us face, but we just don't talk about kind of what goes through when you have to take on a role that's an interim role. We are really excited and thankful to to have you here. I think this is a pretty fresh idea for a podcast, not something that we've covered before in any of the preceding episodes. And so I'm really excited to to have you here and to have this conversation with you. Before we get going and and you know sort of turn back the clock a little bit to your time at Open Door, what's top of mind for you at Cedar right now? Well, I think like a lot of companies were in the midst of 2024 planning, both in the budget cycle and the strategy side. So what are we going to focus on next year and where do we want to take the company? I think this year kind of being in the interim CFO role, it's kind of a different take on strategy planning in the sense that there's a deeper involvement than sometimes legal has in the process. As someone actually who I did not know you were going to say that as your answer as someone who once upon a time helped run annual planning for Foursquare, I can tell you that the sort of collaboration there between finance and operations and HR and thinking about headcount, most people don't realize that budgeting is a lot about headcount allocation. That's a very challenging time. So I'm appreciative that you're you're doing this in the midst of that too. <laughs> so Before we dive into what Vanessa's up to at Cedar as interim CFO, I want to take a moment and and look back at your first interim role. After you spent some time as a partner at different law firms, you took on the role of deputy GC at at Open Door, pretty exciting company. I think you'll tell us a little bit about what it was like to go public there. And when the GC, who's an incredible leader, Beth Stevens, left, she really pushed you to take on that interim GC position. Take us back to that time. Tell us a little bit about what was going through your mind and and how you rose to the challenge that was presented to you. Yeah, and I think maybe a bit of backstory here, Tyler, for those who don't know me, is I'm originally from the Midwest, and there's sort of a joke that I'm an incredibly hardworking Midwestern person. (laughs) And so what comes with that is sort of this model through my life of I work hard, I do well and good stuff happens to me. And some people who are probably listening are like, oh, well, here, perfect, perfect example of that. 
except that this really wasn't exactly the perfect version of that, right? It came initially in the form of an interim role. And for, as I grew in my career, that this, this is something that happens to people, right? You have to kind of, you come into this, you get an opportunity, but it's not quite what you wanted it to be. And this was an example of that. And I had a lot of self-doubt tied to it. Honestly, it took Beth kind of pushing me off the off the cliff and saying, hey, you can do this to take on a role like that. And by that point, like maybe I'll step back and say I'd been at Open Door for over five years. Right. Mm-hmm. I built out I built out and run the corporate legal function uh, the entire time. I'd helped take Open Door public via SPAC during COVID. So this wasn't something that I didn't have any chops for, right? I, and I'd been a lot mm-hmm. big big law law firm partner for a few years before that. So it isn't outside of the wheelhouse to say, you know, take on legal in this place. But I was honestly, I was scared. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a GC. I really liked corporate law. And we had an amazing team, right? We had a great team that we had built from the ground up. And I knew that this was going to make that, it was going to change the dynamic of where things were. And so it was kind of working through, I think, what I'll call feelings, honestly, of can I do this job? I knew on one hand, I was capable of it. And on the other, I didn't haven't done all the things that make up being a GC. And that scared me a little bit. And so I think it was a lot of mentally processing. You know, I cried, I was scared. Um, And then that's sort of how I handled these things. Spent the weekend, kind of soul searched a little bit and then realized I was capable of this. And then just kind of by Monday morning, jumped in both feet, made a plan, kind of figured out how I was going to tackle it. And you you felt like as you were stepping into it, you really needed that title, the the interim GC title to to do it well. Um, You also knew that they were probably going to run a search for a GC, a full-time GC in the background. I'm just, I'm curious how that conversation went and, and how you prepared for it. And if there are things that you know now or advice that you would offer to people who might be in a similar position that, that you didn't know that. Yeah. And that's funny because if I had to do it again, I would probably have talked to more people and gotten some sage advice. And so I kind of muddled <laughs> through it a little bit. I think I was excited. I was happy with the, like what I call the interim title. And over what I found is as kind of the days turned into weeks and turned into kind of months of, of holding that, I, I came to a great realization that may not surprise some people here, but it was new for me. And that was interim roles, I think, are one of the hardest things that you can take on. You have all of the accountability and responsibility that comes with the full title. Mm-hmm. But with that interim piece, you don't come with the full empowerment to do that role well. And mm-hmm. at some point, there's a tension between those two things and I was hitting it. And it's it comes down to things like hiring and capacity and planning. And you are given, you're essentially in what becomes the longest job interview of your life, but you're not given the kind of the vote of confidence and the tools that someone who just came in knew would have. And kind of going back to me, I don't like to ask for things, but I realized kind of into that process that I needed to ask for things to be able to do my job well. and. Whether you're going to hold that job kind of truly on a temporary basis or you're going to hold it in kind of a, you really want to hold it for in a full time capacity. I think being given the tools that allow you to do the job 
entirely are really important. Uh, when I was thinking back to it, it's sort of, you know, for those who spend a lot of time in law firms, it's sort of the same thing of, oh, we won't make someone a partner until they can prove they can get business. Well, one of the things you need mm. to get business is the title. So it becomes kind of this self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy that you just, you can't leap over. And essentially I was kind of running into the same thing. And I finally just asked for it. And I said, hey, I need this to do my job. And they were saying, oh, that's kind of a no-brainer. Here you go. We'll just take that interim piece off. And all of a sudden, my job became much easier. And through that, what I'd say is, yes, the company may still run a full process. I think that's important depending on the dynamics of the company and its growth stage. So you expect that. But you're going to be empowered to do the job as it needs to be done and have the right tools for it. And during that process, I think it's a great, it is a golden ticket. It's an opportunity to look at, well, do I like this job? Do I like this job at this company? Would I like this job if the circumstances were different? Mm -hmm. Now, that can be yes, definitely to one or more of those questions. Or it can be, well, no, this is not really my cup of tea. Those are both okay. Um, And I don't think we talk about that enough of one of the things with interim roles is they really are a chance to try out a job and see what you think. They're also a chance to build the skills in a way where you are empowered with the tools you need to build those skills well. Versus kind of like hitting a ceiling where you can't get through it. But regardless, you kind of need to go into that process and assume, I think that the kind of the the box that you filled in the company is not going to be the same when this is all over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was something that took me a little bit of time to get my my arms around in the sense that I was being elevated into a different role and I was trying that out. But I probably was never going to be happy back in the box that I was in originally. And that's okay. Right. But I think working through that also gave me the ability to do my job better and kind of just come to terms with that. And so I, what, what kind of flows from that is what I'd say is you really do need to own it from day one or week one or at some point early on in this process and just say, hey, I'm going to do this job. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to learn new things. I'm not going to be perfect. But with that, I am going to be better for it. But if I kind of hold myself back of, oh, I might want to go return to my the thing that I had before, Mm-hmm. you're not going to succeed at it. And you're going to kind of set your up, yourself up for failure. I think also in that process, when I talked about this, is, this is, can be a tough subject to talk about because what overlays interim roles is often a lot of things that are just completely outside of your control. Sure. You know, there's dynamics at every company that go far beyond whether or not you're good at your job. And that often is particularly at a point where you're managing a situation where you've kind of stepped into an interim role. So I think it comes also with maybe just reading the tea leaves and accepting that that can be how things go. But that doesn't, you kind of have to just internalize that and then move past it if you're going to succeed in the role and really learn and enjoy and grow from it. Otherwise, it just becomes like a very hard mental hurdle for you. Yeah, politics can be small p politics are something that are oftentimes outside of your control. And and the business may be heading in whatever direction they're heading for reasons totally absent your own career and your own sort of hopes or, or aspirations. But you really use this opportunity as a catapult, right? Because it should be said, you you know, you left Open Door and became the GC of, of Cedar, pretty hot company in the health healthcare, health tech space. And in Cedar, and after a few months, the CFO left and the CEO asked you to take on those responsibilities as as well. So especially in light, I guess, of your experience as an interim GC and then a full-time GC and now a full-time GC and now an interim CFO, 
how did you how did you think about whether or not you wanted to take on the interim CFO title and responsibilities as well? Well, this one's kind of interesting because in this case, I actually sort of raised my hand, and it was at a point where. I probably took a job that was relatively new to me that I had just gotten my sea legs underneath me. And yeah, I made it harder. But the reason I raised my hand is because looking around the room at the time of kind of where we were at a, at a point where we needed someone to oversee finance is that one, I thought I was the best place to do that. I had the kind of the financial background to be able to oversee and understand what was happening on the finance side. I was also from the executive team, the one with the least reports on my team. Uh, the mm-hmm. legal and compliance team was also the smallest. So there were some natural synergies to saying, hey, can you take over and oversee this function? And to be honest, it didn't start out with the interim CFO role. It really started out with, can you oversee finance, right? Like, is that's mm-hmm. the kind of lean in version of this, but kind of, kind of quickly realized, yeah, I need Going back to my other story, I really do, one, we actually needed to have a CFO in certain circumstances and to do my job well and to do all the things that needed to be done to support finance and to support the company from a financial perspective over this time period. That's what it took. Um, And so kind of said, yes, I'll do that. It's a, but I think in this case, it was a little different. This was never going to be a stretch into a CFO gig. Um, that was not really what I went in with, and it was not the expectation from either side. And so I approached this one kind of differently. Am I happy with interim CFO in the title? That's totally fine with me. <laughs> like, I, I really wasn't, in this case, I'm not title chasing. I'm after supporting sure. the business from a financial perspective. The CFO actually was really just something we had to have because in some states we needed to have a CFO. Um, and so it really wasn't about that. It was about keeping the financial lights on for the company while we worked through a process of finding a really terrific CFO. That's really interesting. It's been the, the point, especially about needing someone to step in and actually take him, take on the title. So you've been in the role about six months or so now. What was that transition like in terms of approaching sort of leading the finance team, supporting them, building trust with them. To tell us about the the early days of, of taking on those direct reports as well. Yeah, I, I think it's been both hard and easy and a little bit of both. I think some of the things that were easier actually is that I had some strong inroads in with the team. I worked day to day with a number of the financial leaders And so I didn't start from ground zero managing a function where I'd had no interaction. And and that gave me something to build from. I think it was also coupled with a team where the majority of the team really leaned in, they supported, and they stepped up. And that filled a lot of gaps. And it mm-hmm. it allowed me to ask questions and learn about some of the areas and at a, like a kind of a deeper level than I had gotten to kind of previously, um, because there's just, there's a lot, the weeds are different over there. Um, And so I had a lot to learn as well about how we did things day to day and where the team needed some support. And that kind of became the foundation for helping the team through transition. It started with kind of some basic things of looking at the team strength and weaknesses as it stood kind of without the former CFO and a couple other leaders that we had had kind of changed through and going, you know, where are we capable of doing more than keeping the lights on during this period? Mm -hmm. You know, where some, because we had some parts of the team where I think that was the case. And then we had some holes. And so it's kind of sitting down with those team members in the areas where we had some gaps and figuring out how are we going to close those gaps? How can I support 
Where do we need to bring in some outside resources to supplement? Because one of the challenges of interim roles sometimes is depending on where your whole sit within the team, you may or may not be able to really successfully backfill and you may not want to. But in the meantime, you still have to kind of find that path to making sure that all the things that need to get done, get done. I think the other kind of on the harder side or maybe challenging side is in this case is capacity for myself. I'm not going to back, like, this is not a scenario where I'm going to backfill myself in any of my roles. Like, I think, you know, people have suggested that. I'm like, no, that's not really, (laughs) that's not really what this is about. I really, I I came here to build the legal and compliance function. I'm happy to do this because I think it's the right path for the company for now. But, you know, so figuring out how do I make sure that I'm providing the strategic guidance to the team at the right levels, even in that process is really important. And one of the kind of, things I've patted myself on the back for just a little bit is when I came in we, to Cedar in kind of the fall of 2022, we re- needed to rebuild compliance and we needed to build out legal operations. And I made some great hires in those areas. And by getting those leaders onto the team, it allowed me to not have to be as deep in the weeds on the legal and compliance side. I could be more strategic and give a little more time and resources to the finance team during this time. There's still a lot of work to be done, but it's it's one of those things I got really lucky in that I hired the right people at the right time that allowed me to do that. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I think there's a, there's a lot of GCs out there who might think, okay, I might follow the same sort of path, or I might agree to take this on. Um, are there any challenges that you'd be willing to share with us that you've experienced in the first few months that you think might be, say, consistent across uh, this sort of executive departure or taking on the role of interim CFO for those folks who, you know, might want to be able to sort of think ahead and, and try to try to head off problems that you've you've experienced or navigated through? Yeah, I think there's there's always challenges that come with this. And it's like you can replace CFO with chief people officer. I've seen people sure. take on other operational roles. Like I think a lot of what I'm talking about is not actually unique to overseeing other it's it's just out overseeing a function that is outside of what you do day to day. You can kind of scramble that. And one of them, the first ones you hit is there's just projects you need to tackle that really can't wait until that other new executive comes on board. And so you have to figure out how to prioritize them, get the right resources for them, and figure out how you're going to do them, even if you don't have the other leader that you would have expected to partner with on them. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, I alluded to it a little bit, and it's just... It's just going to happen. And that is, there's always going to be some attrition tied to executive departures as much as you can, you could try and get to 100%. I think that just, it's very false. There's always going to be some people that for whatever reason, just can't see through this gap, or there were already some issues at play. And so you have to work through that. It can also become um, a cycle that is hard to break. And and that what happens is as you have an executive departure, you have other departures on the team and the work then starts to be pushed down to more people. They get overworked and then they leave. And so Mm -hmm. trying to break that cycle and get ahead of it really early in the process is critical um, because Mm -hmm. there's going to be there's going to be some of those roles, like someone who is going to be a direct report to your new executive 
honestly, you're not going to be able to fill those roles. And so (laughs) like, don't spend the bandwidth there, right? Like one, because that leader is going to be really mad at you if you've hired somebody. Two, my my view is I don't necessarily know that I would trust anyone who took a role not knowing who their boss was going to be in six months, Mm -hmm. or they know that they're just coming in for a limited period of time. So you, you do have to solve capacity at that level in a different way. But you can focus on the other hiring you need to do within the team, right? So those roles are, I think they're quite fillable with the right support. Like if the individuals you're bringing in believe in the overall leadership team, that's a hurdle you can get through. But kind of getting ahead of that cycle, working through it, it comes down to the kind of trust thing we talked about a little bit as well of of needing to make sure that the team feels trustful, that they have transparency and that they believe in the rest of the executive team during that process. Um, Because if they do, if they trust the executive team, they will trust the executive team to pick another leader who will, who will kind of fight for them or they'll see through to see what happens. And then you can, then you can go back to doing the keeping the lights on work, but it's, it's something that really any exact transition you're going to go through. I think the kind of maybe the f- other thing in this category that I've had to come to terms with is that I'm honestly, I'm a gold star type A person. I want to do all the things and I want to do them really well. But <laughs> when you're in these interim roles, you don't have the capacity for that. And you're going to have to yeah. live with that is good enough for now. That is probably one of the hardest things, Tyler, that for me to, to deal with is that mm-hmm. good enough has to sometimes be enough. And getting comfortable with that is really important. It's probably true all the time in the tech emerging growth space is you're just always resource constrained a little bit. But I think particularly when you're holding an interim role where you might be doing two jobs and your team may be doing multiple jobs to just go, you know, we don't need to tackle that. Put it up, put it back on the back burner. Yeah, it's a mindset shift, right? I mean, I think it's yeah. a mindset shift that a lot of folks encounter when they become a GC to begin with. And now this adds a whole other sort of layer of complexity on top of that. Another sort of layer that I think would be interesting to talk about to your decision making, and you've alluded to this a little bit from the perspective of backfilling some of those direct reports to the CFO who may have departed and the challenge is there, is that you have to keep pushing the business forward, but you also don't want to make big decisions that you think should be within the remit of whoever your successor is, or that might tie your successor's hands when you think they might have potentially made a different call on kind of a hot button issue. How and, and where do you draw that that line? Uh, what's what's your approach to whether it's hiring or setting up processes or bringing in a new tech solution? What's your what's your approach to to where to leave it to your successor and where to make the call yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think some parts of it are easy. You know, the rule number one of interim roles, I joke, is don't drop the ball, right? <laughs> so anything that is tied to the don't drop the ball or keep the lights on, however you want to think about it, those things are sort of no brainers. You have to do them. That's fine. And that's great in theory. And then there's, oh, it just gets gray. It's a gray bottled mess underneath that. And what I try to do is to break it down into probably a couple of categories. The first one you alluded to, which is the stuff that truly can't wait. And things I put in that category are strategic projects that really can't sit during that that time, right? They're business mission critical. Uh, and, you know, I can throw out kind of a live example is deal support, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Cedar is, a, is an enterprise B2B company. 
So with a long sales cycle, we deal support can't just stop in the interim. And we have to support that along the way. And so how do we how do we do that? That's an example of something that I'm just going to have to make sure we continue to do until I have a permanent leader in it and do it the best I can, right? And then in areas where I don't have that expertise, either because it's a strategic project or it's um, just an area that's more technical than I have, is just making sure I have a phone, a friend, or I have lined up an outside resource who can be my advisor. Because often interim roles, especially at an executive level, is you're, you're being counseled. Right. Like the role in sure. lawyers are lawyers are used to being this person of providing the counsel. But I think often in an interim role, you have to also be open to receiving that counsel and that can come from different places. And so that's how you can get through these points where you have to do critical things, even in areas where they're not deeply within your wheelhouse. You can be informed and help make a guided decision for the business. You can ask the right questions. And that is more executive leadership than it is particular knowledge about it, an area. Great on those things. And then there, you kind of alluded to a few areas that I think are more challenging, right? Which is technology and tools. Sure. You know, I can say, oh, I would never put it a new tool. And then I'm going to laugh and I'm going to go, but, <laughs> you know, am I going to pick the, you know, the new modeling tool we're going to use to manage our budget? No, right? Okay. I'm going to try to avoid that if at all possible. Am I going to continue to see through tools that were picked before I came in get implemented? Yes, 100%. Sure. Um, and then I'd given an example of a tool that we did go ahead and move forward with. And one of them for 2023 was putting in place procurement software. We'd already decided right. that was part of our plan. We hadn't picked the tool yet when the former CFO left. So that's that work still needed to move ahead. It was highly cross-functional. Um, right. And it wasn't a project that for financial or operational reasons should really sit for you know nine to 12 months while we waited to make a final decision. So we, we made the best decision we could with the leaders that we had in place at the time. And that's maybe also segues into one of the other things you can do, which is when you are forced with one of these decisions is to get executive buy-in from as many people as you can sure. in place of the leader that is missing. Yes, they may still be like, Vanessa, why did you do this thing? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you know what? Like hindsight, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So you do the best you can. Sometimes what I will also do is go, do I need to make that decision now? Could we, you know, for example, on a software or a tech tool decision, can I extend the existing thing for six months to buy some time? Mm -hmm. You know, have you been going so far? So like, sometimes these things become interesting interview questions, right? To actually brainstorm with some of the people who might take the job and see how they feel about it. Oh. You know, I've kind of used that sometimes in my wheelhouse as well. You just, you do your best. I know 100% there will always be things that somebody's going to be like, why did you do that? But you just, you, you make the best informed decision you can in the time you have available and you move on. That makes a lot of sense. I love that idea about asking an interview question. That is, uh, that's pretty interesting because you get to actually sort of get a sense for how they might deal with something that's on your plate right now. That's really thoughtful. Yeah. And it's an operational, I, I like often I end up taking operational interviews. And so understanding how yeah. someone attacks a similar problem, uh, it tells you a lot about how they think about day-to-day -day real world things. And you, often those are ones that you can ask in a way where you're not revealing company confidences. You're sort of unpacking how do they think about a real world issue. One other area that I wanted to explore with you, 
is, and of course, this varies based on company, right? Some places, the CRO or the CTO or the GC or CLO is super, super influential and serves as a counselor to the CEO on most big decisions. But I think typically, right, the CFO is often seen as as a right hand to the CEO or um, a very important voice at at the table. And so I want to know sort of one, like, have you felt a little bit of a difference in how your voice is perceived or or heard wearing both the GC and the interim CFO hats? And and also how you're preparing for sort of a transition when the CFO comes in and you step back into being the GC voice full time. Yeah, it's interesting because at Cedar, I would say the way that our executive team structured is we all had we all had a pretty significant voice. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't a situation where really only the CFO was being listened to. And mm-hmm. so that was it was, so I'm not starting from a position of, you know, only the CFO voice matters. So it was very much a different dynamic to that. But what you're saying does resonate a lot. The CFO has has a pretty publicly facing voice for the company, both internally and externally. And that is something that was greater than the kind of the voice or the role that I had as general counsel. Now, your question actually was interesting as I started to think about it, because it's not it was not necessarily, oh, it had to be that way, because in my scenario, the CFO was there first. And I came in second to a role that hadn't been filled with anyone by anyone before. And so at the point when the CFO left, I was really kind of working around to find my place and structure within an executive team. Sure. And, and and so the question was, was it made to be that way or was it that way? Because that's just how things had been. And which opened up kind of an interesting thing as we made certain transitions, like we, we, we do quarterly business updates as most companies do. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the CFO had always done that. And it was very CFO heavy. And as we went to rethink about that in a, where I was holding the interim CFO role is I said, Hey, I think we should mix this up and, and, and kind of reformat how we do things. Yeah. And that kind of revision to how we approach that, we actually changed a little bit of all how all the executives work within the, the business update format. And the result has been really good. Mm-hmm. We didn't set out to go, oh, we're going to just revamp how this works entirely. It came about a little bit organically. So what I found through this process is there's always an opportunity when you come into a company to kind of revisit and look at the voices that people have within the room and mm-hmm. think about what that looks like. And one of the things that I think has changed within the legal community over the years is I think the lawyers in the room, whether that be a CLO or general counsel, have a bigger voice or can have a bigger voice within a lot of companies. A number of people hold operational titles. And, and I think so with that, the world is changing a little bit. So you don't have to assume yeah. that it will always be this way. But it was an interesting thing to kind of to reshuffle and look at, like, is it this way for a reason or is it this way just because it's been that way? That is super thoughtful. Uh, and I love the idea of using an executive transition or departure as an opportunity to to reevaluate whether or not everybody's voices or perspectives are being utilized or heard in the right way, right? Maybe it's time to bring 
CRO into more of those conversations mm-hmm. with the internal teams, even if they have a big external facing role, or maybe vice versa, right? The GC or the CFO should be on more of those external facing calls with clients um, and not just sort of at the company all hands. I love that idea. That's super thoughtful. And this this whole episode has been full of all sorts of really thoughtful comments. So I hope people are taking taking notes. Um, as we As we start to wrap up, a couple of sort of fun questions for you. I really like this one. What's something that you or your team have achieved recently that you're really proud of? I'm hugely proud of the finance team at Cedar. Um, <laughs> you know, I hinted at it earlier. I'm like, it's not yeah. one thing. It's like all the things. Uh, I could not have asked for people to kind of lean in and step up to the level they have. And that's been great. Um, I also have to plug my legal and compliance team who has just really done an outstanding job of keeping the lights on and doing the day-to-day with a little bit less for me in a number of ways. So it's really a huge team shout out for all the effort that's gone into that because it's easy for me to sit up here in this podcast and be like, I did all the things. In reality, (laughs) I didn't do all the things. My team did a lot of them and I'm successful for them. And so I'm going to shout them out. That's great. I'm a huge reader and I'm always looking for new suggestions. I'm also curious about a good book that you read maybe this past summer. So I'm going to... Please don't judge me by my book reading um, is the one that I recently read is called The Wizard's Butler um, and it's by okay. Nathan Lowell. I often read for fun. It like I will I will read professional books, but a lot of what I read tends to be as far from real life as possible. I think it's a nice offset to kind of two day jobs. And uh, if you like Jeeves and Wooster and you like wizards and fairies and those sorts of things, it's a great read. That sounds like a fun read for uh, one of my cross-country airline flights. I might have to pick up. I'm I'm looking for a new book right now, actually. So I might have to pick up a copy this afternoon. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining this episode of The Abstract and sharing all of these super interesting sort of like stories and insights around interim roles with with our listeners. Uh, I've had a lot of fun having this conversation with you. Thank you, Tyler. It's been great to be here. And to our listeners, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And we hope to see you next time on The Abstract. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get notified as soon as we post a new episode. And if you liked this one, I'd really love to hear your thoughts. So please leave a rating or a comment. If you'd like to reach out to me or our guest, our LinkedIn profiles are in the description. See you all next week.